0: Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible.
1: You have heard that it is said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, without cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, or literally stupid, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Verse 33, again you have heard That it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than this is from the evil one. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic or your coat, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. So these are these phrases you have heard, and then we'll get another one next week, but we're going to focus on just that last little passage there when we come to that text next week about loving your enemies. That's going to get a whole night, that segment. So we've, we've got four topics here in this part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says you have heard it said concerning murder, adultery, our oaths or the credibility of our word, and getting even. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So we're going to look at these tonight as they apply to the follower of Jesus Christ in general, but specifically for us in 2021. So this first one, you have heard this said that you shall not commit murder. And as we come to this phrase, you've heard it said, we realize it's really good timing for us because we just spent the last two years in the Pentateuch with Moses. And back there in Exodus chapter 20, he gave us the Ten Commandments. They're at Mount Sinai. If you recall, that was when COVID began. I was in here looking at nobody, teaching by faith, looking at that camera, when I taught the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Then, recently, we're in Deuteronomy, which means the second law, where Moses is expanding the law and explaining the law of God. And he teaches the Ten Commandments again with a little further insight. So we've had the progression for us, personally as a church, worship generation, the Ten Commandments, and then, the Ten Commandments, again, reaffirmed in Deuteronomy, which we made. Uh, we did a whole study that night on it, and even so, we just studied marriage and uh, divorce and all that just a few weeks ago in Deuteronomy, when that popped up in Deuteronomy. So this, these topics from the Ten Commandments, we've been with them, but now we have the fullest revelation. We talked about this two weeks ago, that in the Old Testament, holy men of God spoke as the Lord moved them, but they were holy men led by the Holy Spirit, and Moses was the lawgiver, And then prophets prophesied and whatnot, but they were men led by the Spirit of God, giving us the Word of God. But when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, it's God. It's God, the Son of God, teaching us about God and God's law. So Jesus, we're told in the Gospel of John, that no one has ever seen the Father, but the only begotten of the Father, the Son, He has declared Him. So here in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is quoting now the Ten Commandments and saying, you've heard it say you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. And he's quoting these passages that would apply to Deuteronomy and Exodus and the Ten Commandments. He's taking it further in that sense to a deeper understanding. And the understanding is this, and this is really important. You can be very religious with the law and the Ten Commandments. You can go to church and have a moral ethical code that you seek to justify yourself by. And this is the longstanding tradition in church going and even world religion to some degree, where we make a law to ourselves of some kind of moral compass that don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet, these sorts of things. But you can do that. With religion, and what I mean by that is, you can make it about you, and that I'm a good person, and I would never do that. I would never cheat on my wife. I I, I don't lie at work. I I don't, you know, I strain the gnat out, out of a container like the Pharisees did. You can be like that and think that you're this, and you can be the law, a legal relationship with God. But what Jesus is talking about here is a relationship with God, a loving relationship with God that's based upon the actual relationship. This isn't about a set of rules of moral, ethical rules by which govern us in a a society of being a human being on planet Earth. This is about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is about being born again in the spirit of God. And as we saw last week, being able to fulfill the law of God, not to be justified, but because we are justified and the spirit of God is going to always move us toward obeying God's word. So it's not about religion that we're trying to justify ourselves; It's about the relationship. And so Jesus is sitting down Jesus is seated down and he's said, You've heard it said, and he's making about relationship. Because it's not outward and external that he's teaching here, it's inward and it's the heart. And he's showing us that everything always begins within the heart before it happens externally and shows itself. In other words, when someone, most murders, first degree murders, are people killing people they know. And it isn't just like someday you just wake up and murder someone you know. It's something that's usually been building for a long time, didn't work through, and then something puts you over the edge, and that person over the edge, and they kill someone. That's usually how homicide first-degree murder works. Not always, but most of the time. And with adultery, it's generally not that just so randomly someone who loves their spouse just randomly is unfaithful to their spouse, male or female. It's generally something was there going wrong for a while, And when it comes out and it manifests this way, it didn't just happen. It was moving in that direction within them. For, in fact, it says in the book of James that sin is conceived by our own desires. We're carnal. We have carnal desires. There's people that we will hate and we'll want revenge on. There's people we'll lust for because we're lustful. We're human beings in our depravity. In fact, Satan tempts us with what? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that hasn't changed. He tempted Adam and Eve with that, and he tempted Jesus with that. And we're told in 1 John that these are the three things that we're still tempted by, and it's the world system, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So that's just, that, it's coming that way. We know the devil's play call. It's this, this, or this. But in this Sermon on the Mount, in this part where Jesus says, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this because he says, you've heard this, but now I'm telling you that. He's taking his past external and religious to personal and relationship where obedience is from the heart and it's reflective of a loving relationship as opposed to external and rigid as a legal relationship, which is very refreshing. But he's telling us it doesn't just happen. It's something was going away or happening within. And that's what James talks about, that there's a desire but that's, that's not from the Lord. And then when the desire is given into, it, it's conceived, just like a baby, it says. And when it, brings, when it brings forth its birth, it brings forth death because the wages of sin is death. So when you conceive sin and you birth sin, it's not life like the life of a baby. It's death. And there's no way around that. None of us can say, well, that doesn't apply to me. It applies to all of us. There's a sobering element to it. So with that broad scope, as it relates to what we've just read, you've heard, said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, these four categories of not, you know, you should not commit murder, you should not commit adultery, let your yes be yes, and not to resist an evil person. We look at this, you shall not murder. Murder begins in the heart. It begins with hatred in the heart. And in the context we see here, it really, it deals with conflict. And contextually, because there's a counsel, there's a judge, It has a court feel to it. It has like a legal aspect to it. Like, hey, we're in business together. They stole the property, we split the partnership and they did this, they did that, they did these shady things. Or I did this contract work, I did this job for 60,000, this contract bid, I did the job right and then you didn't pay me on time so now we're in court. Or you had them do the work and you didn't pay them, and then you said, "Oh, you didn't do this right, so we're not going to pay you." And there's people that do stuff like that—you contractors and plumbers, you know that people that work that way—and and so you end up often in court. You end up in arbitration. I remember years ago there was a congregant that went here and they owned some property on a lake, and it was dead, you know the homeowners and the you know the community that dictates like Irvine—you got to close your garage door and you know, that kind of stuff—and you know those things and. They had done they done something with their property that was forbidden within the rules of the lake community, and they did it anyways, and then they went to court to an arbitration and they lost. And it cost them a lot of money. It cost them legal fees and the loss. We'll come back to that on our yes being yes and our no being no when you sign the contract. They're not here anymore, but that has nothing to do with that. But that's the way that went. So contextually, it's like, hey, you, f- the word means idiot, Raka, it's like, literally means idiot, like, so, dude, you're an idiot, like, how people say stuff like that when they get worked up, and especially with business stuff. We had some work going on across near our house, where one day we heard the owner just screaming at the top of his lungs, yelling at these contractors, because they'd showed up, they'd been drinking, and yelling at them and screaming, it was so loud, there was nowhere to hide from it in the neighborhood, and... I came out and I looked to my right and it was all going on down there and The work on that house is still going on It's been almost two years It's just like oh my goodness Side note make sure when you're doing work get a good contractor Just a side note your life will be a lot easier We have a good contractor so ask me if you ever need a contractor and if you need a plumber I know a great plumber too, right? So just let me know all right and a great electricians too, but at any rate That kind of stuff, it ends up in court. And in in Corinthians, we're told that, and this this is more related to the fourth point, but in Corinthians, we're told to just not go to court, not to sue that way. Like, you you can, and you can have a legal right to sue somebody when you've been wrong, and you may win in time, but you may not win that in eternity. Like, if you you let it go in time, you're guaranteed to be blessed in eternity, for sure, because God owns your time, your energy, and your resources. And if someone burned you, they burned him, and God's got your back. But that's a hard place to come to in faith. That's a mature place in faith. Some people have a hard time getting that place. It's like, no, we're going we're gonna to fight this. I told you a story years ago at Calvary Costa Mesa. A young man came to me who was a lead guitar on a, a song, and he wrote the rift, and that song became number one, but he wasn't the singer. And he was very upset because the singer got all the credit, all the awards, and he didn't get anything. And he was threatening to sue the record label company. He had the proof of how the whole thing came together. And he came to me as a last-ditch effort because this is when we were doing worship generation with the bands. And I told him, I said, look, there's, you seem to have a valid case that would hold up probably in copyright laws and stuff like that. But let me ask you something. What do you hope to gain here? Because legally, you might be able to win this case but there was a good friendship here and you're going to lose that and you should rejoice in the success of your friend and in God's economy you have a number one song to your account in all eternity because God knows you wrote that riff and who gave it to you anyways God did so I personally would just let it go and store that in heaven for a treasure in heaven let this person be blessed not sue the record label and let it go like, I personally think that's better than fighting this because you could fight this for a couple years and you're never going to get that much money from it. It's Christian music industry. There's not that much money to get. We're not talking like a secular type of song where there's millions and millions. We're talking hundreds of thousands maybe. And you know, to his credit, this person, he walked out of there. I told him, I guarantee you'll be blessed if you let it go. I can't guarantee you'll be blessed if you fight for it. But you can not fight for it because you're probably going to win. And I'll never forget when he called me months later and he said he thanked me for giving him that counsel that he did let it go. And he had total peace and he rejoiced in his friend's success. That's why we we don't want to be the idiot. We don't want to be Rocco. We don't want to be the fool. We don't want to be that person. We're told here. To reconcile before you get there. You ever watch Judge Judy? I've talked about Judge Judy only because my dad, who's 91, it's like he just—it's like it's free entertainment, right? Judge Judy is entertaining to watch how people like are and how they interact. But what you realize about the shows like Judge Judy and these types of shows is they had so much conflict before that, and you know, like they set up for $600. And I know $600 might mean a lot to some people, and I'm not saying it's not important to all of us. But $600 is a long way to go for a couple of years to go on TV with Judge Judy and still be fighting your neighbor over something one month's rent. But because that's how human nature is, Judge Judy's been on TV for 25 years and she's a multimillionaire because people are drawn to that type of stuff. Like, oh, oh, look at this. My dad's always like, oh, oh, oh. you know, it's like we can all relate to that. It's very common to want to get, when you've been wrong, to want to get right. But when you don't let it go and you don't reconcile it and resolve it, it gets stronger and stronger and the anger builds and the resentment builds. And then you lay in bed and you plot how to get even with that person. And I thought I was the only person that thought like that until I listened to a Pastor Chuck study from 40 years ago where he talked about laying in bed in the middle of the night plotting how to get back at people. I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so much better. But if you really think that through, the ultimate plot of giving even is taking someone's life, and that means they're not going to have a chance to be saved and be with Jesus and be in glory, and in the end, you're going to go to jail, you're not going to watch your grandkids grow up and go to the parties and all this kind of stuff, and when the surf's really good with the Santa Ana wind, you're in jail and they're all surfing. (laughs) When you just think it through, like the end consequences, like God says in Deuteronomy that my people consider the latter end, we need to consider the latter end. And in the end, the ultimate end is the bitterness only destroys the person who holds on to it. And no matter how much we've been wronged by someone, that leads us to anger and hatred and these things. Ultimately, it only destroys us. So Jesus says, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. But he says, if you're whoever's angry without a cause. Now, we've been angry with cause, but we also know the same thing. There's a righteous anger, but we're told don't let the sun go down on our anger. And it all begins this way. When you hear of shootings and people taking people's lives, more often than not, you'll find when it's premeditated, they lost a court case. I just got to be truthful. The guy that shot all those people at the salon in Seal Beach about five years ago, he lost the case in court that day, and he's going to go get even. And the one shooting over here of the ex wife and the father in law, he lost the court case that day and he's going to go get even. See, they never dealt with it. And now that guy doesn't get to watch his children grow up. And this guy, who even knows what he's doing? They can't be let back in society. Society has to protect us from people like that. We can't become those people. We just can't become those people. Jesus says, leave your gift on the altar. That's the key. Because you can go to church and be religious and do all the religious things and have a gift, but that's religion. When God says you need to make this right and you make it right and you leave your gift on the altar, that's relationship. That's relationship with God. That you make it right. So whenever you're in this place and God's speaking to you from his word, and he says, make this right with that person, make it right. Because the bitterness will only destroy you. It never, it doesn't destroy them. I mean, you might, people take people's lives, but in the end, unforgiveness and bitterness will destroy us. And murder begins in the heart. And there's, how many people kill people who think they're Christians? There's so many people that call themselves Christians who take other people's lives and justify it in their mind. I don't ever want to run into anybody in the aisle of Target or Whole Foods and go, go, have to go around a different aisle because I haven't dealt with something. I want to be able to go down that aisle and, and wish blessings and pronounce blessings on that person no matter how much they've hurt me. That, that moment will reveal like how you are with that too. And we want to reveal good things. We want to reveal that we're disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're living the Sermon on the Mount that he taught us, his disciples. Now, the next thing we see, so we just got to leave the gift, reconcile. And he said, do it quickly. Do it quickly while you can. Yes. Sometimes it takes a while to work through things, but just keep working through it. Sometimes that tab closes, you don't see those people anymore. I had a major issue Three years ago with some families with the USA Surfing Program, and it was horrible. And it, it took me a couple years to work through it and let go of it. And then lo and behold, Brandon tells me the same people are still doing the same thing to the latest coaches and stuff. Some people never get it. And you people involved with the youth sports and elite sports, you understand how that works. Some people never get it. The Lord allowed it, and he's allowing it. You know, you don't want to be the person God allows though to be like that. You want to be the person growing from the person that's like that. Just, I think you all know that. Adultery in the heart. You've heard it said that not to commit adultery. Adultery, of course, is a sexual relationship with someone other than your spouse. That's what adultery is. And he says, you've heard it said that those of old who shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust of her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this is that phrase that Jesus uses in his heart. Now, we're told by Jesus and other Gospels that it all begins with the heart. In fact, we're told on the day of Christ Jesus, we're going to stand and give an account for all the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And that's a very... In fact, he said there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed. So a very sobering thought that we don't think about that often is when we stand before the Lord in our justification as believers, we're still going to give an account for the thoughts and the intent of our heart. We're also told that out of the abundance of a heart does a man or a woman speak. So we know our words often reveal like what we're thinking. And by the way, in ministry and even in business, if you listen more than you talk, you'll often find that people say something like, hmm, like something came out, like, ooh, that's a red flag or a yellow flag. Right? It's like soccer. That's a yellow card right there. You just let people talk, and you can know whether or not you should be engaged in business with them or partnership, because out of the abundance of the heart does a person speak. So the heart, also we're told by Jeremiah, is desperately wicked, and who can know it? Isn't that true? David knew his heart was so wicked, he said, I don't even know my heart, so search me and try me, O Lord, and show me what's in my heart, because I don't even know. Like, David has a heart for God. God says David has a heart for God. And what happens to David? Like, he's just a little bit not on his game. He's got the trophy room, Goliath's sword, and all those things. He's the king. Assets are strong the iras, all that stuff. He's got all kinds of property. He's building well. Got a bunch of wives by default, the way it worked out for him. And, uh, and one look at Bathsheba. Now, this is interesting because to his credit, it's not like David woke up and said, man, I can't wait to see my buddy's wife half naked on the rooftop. It didn't start, like, it, it wasn't like that. But he had been having unbridled lust toward women because otherwise that wouldn't have happened. If he had made a covenant with his eyes, as it says in the psalm, then that moment would have gone like, whoop, didn't mean to see that. We all see things we don't mean to see. There's just things we hear and see that we don't want to see and hear. We're not monks. We're not living in a cave on the backside of Big Bear. There are things that we see and hear at times that we don't want to see and hear. Now, if we're looking for those things to see and hear, that's a problem that we want to take care of. But sometimes we just see and hear things we don't want to see and hear. And those moments reveal a lot about us. And since the devil always looks for an opportune time, we usually see and hear the things that we should see and hear, or don't want to see and hear, at our own best interest, at the time we're most vulnerable to be run by those things when we see or hear them. Thus is David with Bathsheba, the wife of one of his thirty mighty men. He saw her bathing, so he saw this beautiful naked woman, and. Right there, he, he's like, I'm going for this. He had the adrenaline, the dr- endorphins, everything. He's, a, he's like, I'm going for this. I'm the king, and I'm going for this. And in the end, what a price he paid. He paid such a heavy price that a generation later, his son Solomon, who had endless women at his command, who led him astray, the wisest man that ever lived, he wrote all these proverbs about the adulterous woman, how her lips drip with honey. And you can apply that to men. So when women are tempted with men, there's things about men that tempt women. Just think of Song of Solomon as as the Shunammites looking at her prince.